I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Three years old, I remember being so fascinated with the fact that something that I could put on my body made me feel differently and made me feel what I, I, at the time, I could not articulate this at all, but like in a way more confident or just like emotional or loving. And I think I've been always fascinated with objects that you can put, adorn your body with. Hi, I'm Kami Sharia. And I'm Monica Ainley. And you're listening to Fashion No Filter. Where we sit down with some of the lead creatives, strategic thinkers, and emerging talent around us to interpret the ins and outs of the fashion industry today. Hey, welcome back to Fashion No Filter. I'm your host, Kami Charrier, and my co-host, Monica Ainley, is nowhere to be found today. Well, actually, that's not true. I know where she is. She's on a flight to Copenhagen because she's speaking at the Sustainability Summit. And because we really wanted to get this beautiful episode out to you that we recorded in New York last week, sooner rather than later, we decided to divide and conquer and let me do the little introduction to today's guest on my own. So without further ado, let me introduce you to what's coming up on the show this week. Since launching for fall 2016, New York-based label Kite has already redefined wardrobe classics with modern appeal. We sat down with head designer Kate Holstein, who talks to us about what it really takes to launch a brand in the era of Instagram and an oversaturated market, especially when what you're creating are carefully crafted basics that won't necessarily stand out on an Instagram page. I think um, when I, I guess I just have to go back to why I launched this. So, um, you know, I've always been quite a shopper, like a, I'm a consumer first. And I always found, you know, I was buying like all of my favorite brands, which are all of our favorite brands, I'm sure. But and they're all beautiful. But I just found that the items were a bit precious, like a bit cherished. Like, I, I don't know, they would kind of sit in my closet and yeah. like not like things that I could wear five days in a row, not think about those things were things I had collected over the years, like a great cashmere sweater. My sister lived in Paris for 15 years and she like had all these great cashmere, just crew neck sweaters that I kind of stole from her. Like a great pair of vintage Levi's that is really hard to find or my mom's old Kelly bag. Like those were the things that I would find. Like I wouldn't even have to think about them when I was like walking out the door, just grab them. And I started like kind of talking about how like, why is there not a brand that offers this to me to go and buy like why do I have to like kind of hope and pray that I will land upon these things in vintage stores or like um, you know occasionally like a great sweater you know from a designer or whatever so I just kind of was talking about that with zero intention of actually launching a brand and with a with a push from a friend of mine um, after like working in in fashion and design for 15 years and building a lot of other people's product lines and I was kind of specialized in coming into brands and, and, and building product lines of not more commercial items, but I call them cherished pieces and they tend to be kind of commercial. So everybody says essentials or basics and I say cherished, which is a bit opposite. Yeah. And, um, you know, who really wants to be basic and like who really wants, you know, like <laughs> essentials, like, uh, like it's a bit flat. Yeah. And what, you know, these items that are just like a cashmere crew neck sweater, it's like the the way that the cashmere is washed or the way or the way that it's knitted the way the density of it like the the curve in a sleeve like it's these kind of things that people wouldn't necessarily even be able to put their finger on that make them those items that they do gravitate towards um you know more than than maybe another one that still is the same item per se so 
I've had a lot of experience in many different categories. Um, I started my career also in having my own line, which was really small and slightly embarrassing. Um, <laughs> it was 2006 is not a good year to anybody in fashion. I'll tell you that. Um, Wait, you know, what? It was like you know, it was like hot pink. Like everything was like Gucci sunglasses, like diamond G's. You know, or like 2000. That was more 2002, 2003. Wait, and like, you had a brand at this time? I had a brand at this what time. What was it called? It was called Catherine Holstein. I feel like I'm already shooting myself in the foot by landing. Mentioning it no. on this. But, um, you know, I was so basically I was a junior at Parsons. I did my junior thesis. It was kind of inspired by Claire McCardle on classic American sportswear, which I've always been interested in. Um, they were like five little sailor dresses and Barney's bought it. And I kind of was thrown into having a business because I didn't even really fully realize what I was getting myself into. Barney's bought your collection while you were still studying? Yeah. So I, it was so my junior said. thesis. It sounds like a lot more grand than, than than I think. Or maybe, I don't know, it's innately female to like deny yourself. Yeah. Like, well, no, that's cute. Like, the old imposter syndrome. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. Like, that's not a big deal. Like, yes, you know, I guess really I should accept it in some way. But I still feel weird accepting any sort of anything like that. Like, don't put this in here. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, because was it aesthetically very different to Kate? It, in the beginning, the roots were similar because of the American sportswear factor. Like, I actually am an American. I grew. I was born here, and when I was younger, I moved to California. But when I was nine, I moved to London, and lived in London until I was seventeen, and. I was like always kind of like identity crisis, like an outsider American expat looking at America with like this kind of sense of grandeur. Like, mm. I mean, all of American history I find fascinating. I find the correlation of, especially with female clothing, the correlation of these benchmarks in history and like the suffragette movement and what that did for women and the way that they started dressing differently. Uh, while they got more independence, like really fascinating. So in a way, it, the roots were similar, but aesthetically it was very different. It was a little more like baby doll, a little more costumey in a way. Um, a little also that was kind of the times uh, when I launched it. Yeah. Um, so years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, I bring back the simple I life. I mean, I think <laughs> like people. I think that is kind of coming around again, which is the funny part. Uh, after I closed it after four years, I, I, you know, I had a good run, but I was running the whole thing by myself and I had 40 stores worldwide at Selfridges, Isetan Japan, Lane Crawford, Hong Kong. And I was just doing it all by myself from production to design and I did shows and it was kind of, I've looked back on it and I'm kind of surprised actually like with how that went. Um, but I decided to close it uh, in 2008 when the economy crashed and everybody was kind of freaking out about fashion. I haven't seen a freak out in fashion like that. I'm hoping not to see one again yeah. since. Well, that's so interesting. I've never heard about the crisis in fashion in 2008. Oh, my gosh. It was. Well, what happened was is that there was so much fear and we hadn't had an, a, a crash like that. And, you know, in so long they were saying, you know, they said it was like Black Friday, like the worst, you know, since 1929. So, um there was so much fear around it that everybody was talking about all the stores closing, which none of them really did. Oh but everybody was, you know, in terms of factoring and credit and like kind of all these behind the scenes administrative things, like they were talking about taking stores credit away. So you were really shipping at your own risk. And it was just really scary. How interesting. Because like we would have still been at university yeah. and we weren't in the industry yet. So I didn't realize it yeah, was to same. that extent oh, yeah. specifically uh, in fashion in New York. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was a small independent label. Like I think for the for the bigger, bigger guys, it was it was a bit you know, they got through it. And so, and, and, and for the better, I think there were a lot of designers that came up at that time that um, was a really interesting experience for them to, to come up in a time where people were saying nobody's buying expensive yeah. clothes. Yeah. Um, so I closed and I, at that time I went and I worked a little bit um, with Scott Morrison and Denim, uh, got my feet wet there. And then, and we spent a lot of time in Japan actually. And then um, I went to Gap where I w uh, was director of knits and um, learned so much there. And I chose yeah. to go to Gap because I really wanted to understand a fully vertical system on a mass consumer scale. Because being from coming from being independent, uh, I wanted to like the opposite side of the spectrum. At the time, Gap was the only full, was the largest fully vertical global 
brand. So, um, and Gap also is known for an incredible company culture, which I also really wanted to learn about mm. considering I was like always on my own. Um, and that, and it was, it was an amazing experience and it was like, it was a lot of board meeting or like boardroom meetings or like, you know, conference room meetings, I guess I'm, I wasn't on board conference room <laughs> meetings, I guess I'm trying to say, but you know, it was just like complete opposite from like my more like artistic sense or experience with having my own label. And then after that, um, I decided to leave Gap and go be design director of Vera Wang. Uh, beyond that, I like worked with elder statesmen. I worked with Mayette when they launched more sustainability, oh, uh, understanding that a little bit better. I worked with a few other brands, uh, and around that time, uh, I started thinking about doing my own thing. And a friend of mine gave me a big push and really like talked me into it. I always say to him now, because it was this one dinner at Blue Ribbon Sushi five years ago. And it's funny because it changed both of our lives because he, as a result, met my partner, Vanessa, and they're married and have two babies. Oh, this is Vanessa Trainer's husband. Yeah, it's his name, yeah. Charlie. Yeah, it's Charlie. I love Charlie. Yeah. He does that in, it's the beautiful stone. The stone. Yes, I yeah. love that. Yeah, so it's I love really, Charlie. He's amazing. I mean, so you, so wait, at that dinner, you introduced him to Vanessa. Not at that dinner, actually... Side note. So he was saying, you know, you're going to do this for real this time, though. Like, you're going to be business minded about it. And like, this is coming, you know, I'm I'm all an artist first. So that was really foreign to me. And but I did, you know, get my feet wet in more kind of the merchandising side with Gap and had more accountability for the actual business, which I found fascinating. And I also started to talk about these correlations of like all the things that I worked with or all the different brands that I worked with, it's funny how women are after the same things. And I found that was denim, cotton, and cashmere. Um, no matter what brand you were at Indeed. and what demographic what about dresses, they were. though? I always hear that dresses is the big one as well. Dresses do sell, but not in the way that, not in the, not in the potential in the way that. Well, what are we all wearing no, right now? True, denim, true. cotton, and cashmere. Literally. Yeah. And this is excluding accessories. Accessories is like a different as well right so um so that was always interesting to me because even at Vera Wang they wanted cashmere sweaters you know the buyers would come in so it was it's really I I have to be honest when I think of Vera Wang and I love Vera Wang but I think of wedding dresses immediately you know that's what she's she's famous for don't you yeah yeah same I didn't even know I didn't but that's interesting that she has cashmere yeah she has sweaters would you say this um one of my favorite collections randomly because it's more sexy than my normal aesthetic is Alison Rorich and this season they launched evening gowns and beautiful little sweaters and jumpers vintage looking and cashmere because I think it's also it gives a dress a softer side so it it works really well in unison but so your original intention was to create the kind of thing that you that women would wear every day or what I also started talking about was that there hadn't been somebody that was deeply rooted in American sportswear um, since Donna Karen, really. You know, it was Calvin Klein, Donna Karen, Ralph Lauren all launched in the late 60s. You know, at this point, where was the voice of my generation? I'm 35. Where's the voice of my generation that was kind of a fresh perspective on American sportswear? Because America... The, the history of fashion here, it really has a lot to offer as well, especially with denim, um, cotton, um, certain aspects of knits. So I really, um, and Jeffrey Bean and Claire McCardle and like all these incredible designers, Charles James, like I really uh, just felt like there wasn't somebody that was kind of, I don't know if millennial is the right word. I think I'm on the cusp of that, but like, you know. Technically millennial, of, I think goes up to 37 right oh, now. Okay. So, so actually, we are okay, all I'm firmly within millennial. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in front to Gen Z and down, I don't even know what the next one's called. But, yeah. um, but uh, you know, there was, what, where was that voice? You know, because Alexander Wang is incredible, super talented, but it's very specific, you mm-hmm. know, specifically city oriented. Oh, yeah. um, so I just really felt like there was a need for that. I really did didn't want to start a business exactly like um I just had a deep desire for these items and so you know, with the push of Charlie um and then I'm very I'm very close with the trainers uh have been since college uh with the whole family give us and- a little background on them just for people who aren't necessarily okay. familiar with like Danielle oh, well, Steele going yeah. back to the whole thing I mean an amazing an amazing family fiercely independent uh, women, 
the highest taste level you could possibly imagine from Danielle down um, and just lovely, kind, wonderful people. How did you originally get to know Vanessa Trana and the whole family? uh, I actually met her sister, Victoria, in orientation line at Parsons. So it's funny, again, like the universe has a path for everybody, I'm starting to realize, because like all of these things... You know, I was just in the, that one time, that one moment. There's like, you know, thousands of people registering and we happened to be standing next to each other and started speaking and became very close right away. And I became very close with the family. And I was actually having dinner with Victoria shortly after Charlie gave me this push and I really started thinking about it. I made a conscious decision like, yes, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to, and I put all my savings into it. I put everything on the line. I resigned from all my positions of consulting that I was, I made that decision that like, okay, I have to kind of put things on the line to make this happen. Otherwise, Mm. I'm not going to really do it. Like, I really have to, like, have to risk losing everything. It's so true that, isn't it? To really do something worth it, 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 you have to take a plunge of some sort. Yeah, like, otherwise, I'm going to have to, like, move into my mom. You know, like, that was, like, the alternative. But it's that fear that makes you really go. There's no other way. You know, there's no failing, you know? And there's failures along the way, but there's no true failure. But also you can never know how good something could have been if you haven't given it your all. And if you've got your feet, fingers, feet, your fingers in several pies, I don't think you can necessarily like really push. Yeah. So you did it. So I did it. And um, Victoria was like, you know, Vanessa's. Uh, just partnered with Adam Pritzker on these on the line and they're looking they have protagonists and they're like looking for other brands like you should meet with her and Victoria wrote a text message that night met with Vanessa the following week she loved the deck um, she loved the idea and and then I met with Adam shortly thereafter and kind of the rest is history they decided to partner assembled brands um, decided to um, kind of foster the whole the whole thing um, now we're like in a stage where we're 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 really kind of going beyond that, but um, it was a is an amazing like kind of incubation period and, and a really amazing company. But the line, I mean, for me, and I picture the apartment, which for those who don't know, it is this incredible. I guess we would say concept store yeah. in Soho yeah. in Street, downtown yeah. New York. Yeah. Um, it is a sort of hub of good taste. Yeah. Um, how would you describe it? I think it was kind of an ode to, um, yeah, it's a, it's like a, it's more, it's a kind of a contrast between masculine and feminine. Like it was like kind of an arbiter of, or sort of this kind of Soho taste level of, of, and artists and, um, kind of little things that were all handpicked by Vanessa. Interiors. For the most part, interiors, um, a lot of uh, vintage finds in yeah. the interiors, um, and the whole idea of it was that it was an apartment that you lit that you could live in and you could buy the whole thing. So it had a closet, a bedroom, a bath, and living room. And it was the first to really do that. And I think there's been a lot of people to follow. Notes, yeah. yeah. It's pretty, imp- and it's a pretty amazing. And like looking back at it now, after I think it was launched five years ago. Or six years ago, it, it's a it's a pretty amazing accomplishment. I almost think that the people that started it don't even realize sometimes how incredible of a, of a store it really was. It is. I yeah, I remember being blown away the first time I. I mean, that's how I discovered your brand because it's the it's the first thing I do every time I come yeah, to New York. It's not even like I can afford most of the stuff in there, but it's just. First of all, it's like walking into someone's flat yeah. and snooping around this insane yes. place with, as we were saying, most immaculate taste. Yeah. But yeah. I always find that like the, the things that they go and pick from the brands that I love to follow and like I can see online, it's never the same as what you find on websites yeah. where things have to be sort of shouty on the screen and you think that they've picked them for that reason. Yeah. And you go into the line and everything is very, like, pared back and the colors are very simple and yet you want everything. Yeah. Well, like Kate. Yes, exactly. It's the perfect home for it. I think there's just a... Vanessa's has a very strong point of view. Yeah. And I think you see it, you know, mm-hmm. like, right away in everything that she picks. And her fa- her whole family is like that. Um, very impressive um, taste level and, and uh, in everything they do. And uh, I think being around them for so long has definitely been beneficial in, in my aesthetic. They've taught me a lot and um, partnering with Vanessa has been amazing on this. 
Um, so I'm just going back to the things that we, because we've been having such an interesting conversation here that I like <laughs> forgot we had prepared questions. Um, so K-H-A-I-T-E as pronounced the same as your name, Kate. Yes. But, but it also is taken from a Greek word. Yes, yeah, so it's an ancient Greek word that means to have your long hair flow and to have ease and to relax. Which, when we started it, the company, um, we I had an, another name originally, but um, we did a naming exercise, and actually, I, I landed upon this within like thirty minutes of of researching like, the you know Greek origins of words that we found. Um, pertain to what we were the story we were trying to tell so like strength um ease uh fluidity um and i came across this within like 30 minutes of starting the research and i such it was such an odd looking word to me but it, you know i i just saw it as kate i didn't even know how it was pronounced looking at it but to me it was kate and it, you know it's my name obviously and we just kept coming back so I will say, a huge clue <laughs> to find in these, this day and age a uh, one-syllable word that yeah. doesn't have the .com yeah. um, taken, the URL taken, and also the trademarking. So that was a big that was a big thing too to get that. Um, but everybody was it was controversial, I think, amongst amongst like the group of of whether it was the right name. And um, I mean, it's my name, but my name's with a C, which is the funny part because I ran away from Kate with a K the whole, my whole life. Everybody was always misspelling or like on a name tag or something, putting Kate with a K. And growing up when I was very young, my mother, I would come home like kind of, every, all the teachers are telling me that my name spells with a K and my mother would be like, do not let them tell you that oh, with so a C. Sweet. And that is the sophisticated way my mother would say that's not true, mm. audience. Not saying that's, that's true. Sounds but well, Kate, my the, ca- the, the, the Kate way. queens of England were with a C. Yeah, yeah. the European way. So, it, yeah, I mean, it's Catherine, Catherine the Great, or whatever. <laughs> Catherine that's the Great, my mom would Catherine say, Catherine and all that crap. So, um, so everybody would always tell me that that is not how I spell my name, and I think how Kate Blanchett funny. kind of made it more common. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was always running away from Kate with a K, and now I have this company that's Kate with a K. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, people still have trouble pronoun or understanding the enunciation. I don't, you know, I don't really care. Like I, if people want to call it kite, I'm fine with that. If they want to call it kahate was like a lot, one for a while. I think that means shut up in Spanish or something like that. <laughs> nah. Um, so I, yeah, that was another, that was another one. So now we've moved on to kite being, hearing that's the most common one. And why do you think women love your clothes so much? I think it's, they're relatable. Um, I, I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I'm one for materials. Uh, I think I'm pretty, I'm a pretty particular and I'm a stickler for materials. And I think 80% of the appeal of a garment is material. And, um, you know, people ask what, what's the difference between a cashmere sweater from an H&M and a cashmere sweater from, uh, you know, a Celine or whatever. I mean, the total opposite sides of the spectrum, fast versus luxury. And, um, I mean, cashmere is cashmere, but, uh, I think when you there's certain ways that they start washing the fibers and like that insert finishings that that make it a high a high end yarn, but also for somebody like a Laura Piana or something. But um, you know, again, as we were discussing earlier, it's like how dense is the knit? Um, there's like nuance. Like I prefer a fisherman rib to a one by one that it's a loftier, it's rounder, it's kind of like these things that the customer as like not you know a fashion. Um, researcher or history buffer, like, you know, that's somebody that does in the industry doesn't really know why they love something so much, but they just do those things that they can't put their finger on. I have spent dedicated my life mm-hmm. to researching and it all goes back to this one moment because clothes are a feeling. Um, and it's a, it's a very literal feeling cause you're putting it on your actual body. So as a creative, as an art, it's a, it's the most literal to me. Um, when I was like three years old, I remember my brother gave me his car suspenders and I just thought those were the coolest things. They were also coming from my older brother who was five. So this is a big deal. <laughs> and I put them, I was tomboy. So I was wearing like a Lacoste, little Lacoste shirt and like Oshkosh Bagosh over a black corduroys. I remember this so specifically. And I put the car suspenders on and I felt 
amazing. And I remember being afraid of new feelings growing up, like I, in, 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 in all aspects. I remember finding if you had a new feeling, because like when you're younger, like things are new. Okay. It found it very overwhelming. And like, I would be obsessive about that. Like, what is this feeling and why am I feeling this? In a way that was almost disturbing, like to have new feelings. It's like, oh, whoa, like that's a new aspect of life. And at three years old, I remember being so fascinated with the fact that something that I could put on my body made me feel differently and made me feel what I, I, at the time I could not articulate this at all, but like in a way more confident or just like emotional or loving. And I think I've been always fascinated with objects that you can put adorn your body with uh, and to get those feelings ever since and like kind of figuring out um, what those, what the, what is about the item that makes you feel that way, and the memory that's attached to it. Yeah, mm. because I think also clothes, like it, 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 what you're wearing, will make you remember a situation. Yeah, I think. Well, people yeah. are attracted to familiarity. Yeah. So like, it's not surprising that everybody wears jeans and t-shirts or jeans and sweaters, or you know, like it's like. And I think going back to the question of like, what do you think it is that attracts women to your clothes? It's like it's the familiarity, it's the nostalgia, mm. you know. But th but that's easier said than done because I think there are a lot of people that do that. But it, it is these little things that make them something, you know, like you know, even for how, like, what the circu um, circumference of a gene opening on the leg is, or, you know, it's just, like, those things. Like, how, like, we, it's called grinding and um, when they sand the genes and the process, but, like, you know, how the grinding is on the edge. Like, all these little things that make up, like, why you're attracted to it. I'm coveting your genes. Yeah. Thank you. These are the Kyles. They're available on Kate.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a lot of women open their wardrobes every morning and think, oh, God, I have nothing to wear, even though they have a lot of clothes. Yeah, exactly. And I think that your brand is a real example of the solution to that problem. <laughs> what, what are the pieces that every woman needs to own to live a style, to invest in to live a stylish and happy existence? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, you know, I think that's individual in a way. Um, but to me or um, to what we try to do for Kate, I think it's a, a great pair of jeans and a great cashmere sweater. Like a fe we call this featherweight. So this is actually. That's literally what she's wearing right now, by the way. <laughs> and it looks great. It was a deep V. I love deep it. Deep V, yeah. yeah. So a camel deep V cashmere sweater, a great pair of cotton jeans. Um, and uh, I mean, as, and then a great, and then like a great low boot that you can run around all day mm. in, I think is, are the essential, though I hate the word essential, cherish. Cherish things that everybody should own. I mean, I can go further. A great leather jacket. I think somebody like a designer like Hedy Simane um, has really Ooh, controversial. I, Interesting. I, 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 I was not expecting you to say I that. Love Hedy Simane. Really? Yeah. Ooh, I love that. I'm, I'm pretty is... vocal about it. Yeah. Oh. I mean, he's. I think oh, I get into a lot of debates about this. Okay, as why? A merchandising designer. He's really incredible, and you go into whether. I'm not saying his shows. I'm, no, feel shows another, feel yeah. how you want, you want about his shows, and I'm not going to give my opinion about that. Um, but you go into a Hedy Semaine creative directed store, and I, I promise, and I've challenged women on this, you will want majority of what's in there. And even if you go into Celine right now on Worcester, yeah, no, no, it looks fantastic. My friend Ojni, shout out to Ojni Tsoshi is going to be so happy you said that because yeah, she and I have been having arguments about this for the past year. No, I ha like I think he's a I think he's a genius. I he like no question it's yeah. not that it's that he took over a brand that was like a woman designing for women exactly. at a time where like there which was a lot Which is what you are. I yeah, I which is what you are and there's something very I quietly feminist about the way that you design, the way a few you feel are designs. And for me there's something that loudly isn't a feminist about what I, he put on his first saloon right away. I agree with you. I completely appreciate your stance on that. It's like just not that for me, you know? Yeah. And also like, I think he was put in that position mm. by the people that put him in that position. Mm. And I feel like he was very, it would to watch another designer be as persecuted as he was. I'm just going to be honest no, 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 here. For sure. Like it's a very scary thing to watch as a designer. Mm. Like because I don't, you know, he didn't push her out. He didn't like get there and push her right. out. Right. It's not do, his fault. You know, she it's left. not his fault. She left. She left on her own. Well, and free I think will. a lot of people also felt that his collection was a little bit of a middle finger to um, Vaccarello, who continued his aesthetic in quite a 
similar way. Right, that was the other thing. That yeah, and I think it was him coming back and saying, right, this is me. This is what, this is, I invented this silhouette. I did this. And now we can see that he's doing, it was almost like, I'm back. Just to remind everyone, this is what I do. Okay, now I've done that for one season. I'm moving into scene, and he's now he's well moved. because the second collection does completely feel more different. Like a yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On a lot of and I do. You go. You know what? His tr- tried and true. Great cashmere sweater. Great <laughs> pair of jeans. Yeah. Great leather moto. Yeah, true. He really knows AVH what people want, <laughs> and he hones in on that. And I, I do not. I do think he is going to be very successful at Celine. I Who did. else's work do you really uh, respect, either as a designer or, I don't know, artist? Who are your kind of oh, wow. inspirations? I mean, so many people for so many different reasons. Um, dead or Alive or All Alive? Oh, you Dead Alive? Um, I mean, McQueen. Fictional? McQueen. The heart and soul of McQueen, you know? Like, in that... That documentary is so incredible, mm. and and the showmanship. There's gonna, there's nobody like, or will be nobody like him. Um, I love Dries Van Noten for the textiles and the print mixing. Um, I love Stella McCartney for the strong femininity. Um, I love uh, now. I'm kind of, I'm just blanking a little bit, but helmet. Original Anyone helmet new? Lang. Yeah. Oh, uh, I have a lot of thoughts on new. I'm very interested in the movement in New York right now. I think that Cal Slata and the oh, yeah, Alfars yeah. are very interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, I love that there's a new pulse that's like, you know, that's coming and that there are these young people here saying, you know, we will be heard and we're not going to go down the system that is traditional and uh, we're not going to make traditional clothing. And I think for somebody like polar opposite as, I, as myself, I think I appreciate that. Uh, I find it really interesting. I think New York right now has a very, um, I'm proud to show in New York. I'm proud Mm. to be a New York brand. I think it has a very interesting stance in fashion right now. And I think it's exciting. And there's a lot of opportunity. And I think we're going to see a lot of things come from New York in the next five years. Um, Good to hear. Bit of a renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it had to happen. You know, like. It really, you know, there had to be kind of, and I'm not going to name names, but there had to be kind of this move move away from in order for that to happen. And I think it's been uh, it's been controversial. It's been kind of sad in some ways, but I think uh, I think there's been some apologizing. I feel like from New York brands going on for a little while, and I'm kind of like I'm done with that. Like I will not, you know, we're in New York. This is the best city in the world, quite frankly, and like. It's, you know, look at all the, the things that have spawned from here in fashion. And, like, I think we should be proud and stand strong. Uh, is that why you decided to have your first fashion show? Um, a part of it is a part of the reason. I always think it's funny. I, you know, I, I realize things after the fact. Um, yeah, I thought uh, it was my duty in a way to, uh, to contribute to the new, to the new voice because um, I saw it coming and, or, I, or it's not like, you know, I think it was pretty obvious, but... Um, I saw this new opportunity and there is a new pulse and I felt like it was time for Kate to kind of contribute to that. Uh, I thought, yeah, there, I, it was funny for the show. I never thought I would do a show. So I was very against it. And then it was kind of like, it just, it just felt right. It, yeah, we kind of followed our, our heart there. Well, let me just cut in here for a second. Vogue called your show, US Vogue called your show, exactly what a fashion show should be right now. Glamorous, yet low-key, intimate, but not prohibitively so. The clothes were beautiful and truly wearable. Um, you are really hitting the nail on the head here. It feels like you're speaking to our souls. How do you tap into what women want, what these Vogue editors want, what Cami and I want, what, uh, you know, women on the street want? Are you, like, feeling this? Do you wake up in the morning and are you like... <laughs> yeah, because what next? If you're creating, like, timeless basics or yeah. cherished... No, I've got it. <laughs> cherished? The lingo. Obviously, like, the first few collections are going to be obvious, but then how do you keep up the momentum without without sort of because I think that's always the problem with these brands where you start these these really like classic brands the ideas are not that's that's the easy part for me I mean I have too many ideas all the time so it's really about filtering is the is the tough part um I think people are surprised when they come and work with me how fast I work uh always have been ever since I was younger um uh you know I don't know you know maybe it'll be total shit 
what's next, you know, like I can't, I, you know, I hope not, but, um, you know, I think I have to like go with my gut. I think I always say that, like, I can't, if it, if there's, if, if something feels wrong about it, if it's like, even like by 1%, like I can't let it, you know, I can't let that happen. Like it has to be a hundred percent has to be. And that's a feeling. It's a gut feeling. Um, it just, I think design pours out of me. So again, it's really the editing process. I think that's yeah. like really what I have to like hone in on and be really serious about. It's a, it's really product-based the way that I design. And then we kind of put it together as it goes. And are your clothes intended to make any kind of statement, like environmental, political, feminist? I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of... I think that's up. Once, I, I think as a creative, once you release into the world some faster fashion houses have copied a lot of Kate mm -hmm. things. Yes. Um, you know, do you get offended by that? And, or like, does that make you mad? And I think once you release something, it's up to people's interpretation and up. Um, so, so no, I, do, I think that I don't try, I don't, I try to keep quite mum about any sort of statement that I'm trying to make that's personal to me. Um, I think it's up for people to interpret themselves. Once you like release it, it's not yours anymore. Yeah. So, uh, how does it feel when Michelle Obama wears <sighs> one of your? I mean, pieces? how incredible! Like, what an amazing, uh, accomplished, strong female. Yeah. So, yes, it's the ideal person, <laughs> and it's very exciting. I'm been. I'm. I'm. I'm going to be totally honest here. I've become a bit spoiled with um, the amount of of celebrities that have been wearing Kate. So it's, it's, it's the cachet as in the beginning of like the first time we saw people in it to now is, is different. But with somebody like that, it's like, wow. Is there anybody know? who like, hasn't worn it yet that you would dream to see in it? I, that question, I was like making my head blank. You oh, know? sorry. Like, um, I mean, does it really, how do you get me better than Michelle yeah, Obama? That's what I meant. Like it's, how can you, where do you go oh, from there? Ooh, Ooh yes. Yeah, that would be Gloria. Really we know you're amazing. a listener. <laughs> oh, really? No. <laughs> well, you I mean, she might Monica, be. Monica, she might be. She yeah. might Gloria, be. Gloria, sorry, that was Monica. We're very happy to have you listen to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again, Gloria. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was just like wondering how it must feel to wake up in the morning and know that Mich people like Michelle Obama and it, it like, yeah. do you, I mean, you completely deserve it. Oh, but do you, you sometimes have to pinch yourself a little bit? Yeah, there's like, you know, I joke around sometimes. You know, it's being creative is hard. The feelings are fleeting. And it's, you know, it's so like there are days where I wake up and I'm like, everything I do is shit. I'm a hack. Like when, when are people going to figure out? This is most days. When are people going to figure out? I don't know what I'm doing. And you're then, um, and then uh, you know, something like that happens. And you're just like, oh, this is why I, you know, like, wow. Like, so, you know, I've accomplished something. Or like, you know, well, like, that's crazy. She's so incredible. And I admire her so much. And she chose to wear, wear something that I made. So, yeah. It's and pretty who have been your mentors growing up? Or, or, yeah. or you mean idols or mentors? Well, I was actually wondering, like, who kind of nurtured this. So, like, my grandmother was the person who okay. made helped me discover fashion. Okay. Um, did you, were you just kind of, like... I mean, it's funny for me. My mother is incredibly stylish and very particular. Um, so I was very, uh, I admired her very much. Um, very beautiful and, and, and strong. And then... Uh, I was one of five and, uh, I have three brothers and I was a tomboy and I was number four and I was quiet and I'm really happy now that I was quiet amongst all these rambunctious boys because it like made me an observer and, uh, made me have to notice things like, or like kind of like hone in on just being an observer, like being involved in aesthetics, just like in a way for survival. And I am also incredibly appreciative that I did not grow up in the digital age and that I had, if I wanted to entertain myself, I had to lock myself in my room and draw. Yeah. That's what mm. I did all the time is I would just draw. It was a big deal. We, I mean, we were very spoiled kids. So we, everybody had a TV in their room growing up. And oh, wow. it was, yeah, my parents Very were American. like, throw them to the wolves. Like, there's, you know, like, they were kind of like, I mean, wow. with number three, four, and five, it was like, you've been through so much. You're yeah, just like, you know, I give kids. them what they want. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like the iPad. You know, I'm, the, I'm the eldest of four. No. And I was, Shoot. I mean, it's full time. Yeah. I was the eldest of four, and I was the TV. I was the entertainer. <laughs> yes. Cammy used to put on performances yeah, yeah, for her yeah, siblings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. But, like, and <laughs> my siblings were lucky if they were even allowed in my room. <laughs> 
I was yeah, the oldest we as well. Very like everybody to their rooms. Like no, yeah. sh- we were not we were not the best sharers. I have to say, which is why my parents all got us our own TVs. I think they were just fed up with the fighting over like what to watch. Their childhood is like something out of a, a yeah, fairy tale. It's, it's, it's yeah. mad. Like we grew up in the countryside in France. We're just like the outside the whole I mean and it's turned me into the most city girl you could imagine she's like where have I like how have I made she's an environmental scientist she's like how have I made someone like you and I'm like I don't know what happened (laughs) I don't know what happened but yeah it's 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 funny because your upbringing has such an impact on you and yet it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that what you came from is what you become no yeah for me fashion was not something that I grew up with at all and it wasn't something that I was interested in either it's something that when I reached the age of sort of like 23 I was at uni I was in law school and I was interested I was looking at other girls around me that were wearing better outfits than what I'd grown up with and I started to think "Ooh, maybe I could do this maybe I could develop taste and it's something that i truly believe I built it's not something that I was born with and I think it's interesting that that's really interesting yeah. because so part of my question when I was getting into this is like I I do I don't feel that it's inherited because yeah case point but I do feel that it's perhaps awoken in you by a specific person yeah or a specific experience growing up but what you were saying about being observant, I think I was yeah. I observed yeah. a lot of people around me and I was drawn to certain types yeah. of people and 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 it and it for everything and taste in music and taste in art yeah, and no, I mean, that and everything all, all goes together, yeah. I think. And yeah. I, I often notice that the people in, interested in interesting things were also well dressed and I, I I don't know, it was like a it was a something that I sort of aspired to. Yeah, the aspiration of it. I yeah. think I was, a, again, once that feeling happened and wanting to seek that out, mm. you know, with, with the items, but also just like admiring people around me and wanting to be, you know, wanting to emulate that. And what was that about them that, that, made, that made them look like that? And how could I make that about myself? I think that strive growing up. Um, it's a blessing and a curse, yes. you know, because <laughs> I think that I can be very hard on myself in both in many aspects yeah. as a result, but as many many people are and uh do you use instagram i do use instagram Ooh. oh we follow each other now <laughs> yes what me about too. me <sighs> she said follow me i followed her i was like doing okay, some funny. research and i was like let's find out no because we, I, I feel, we'd I written this question <laughs> and then i was like oh she does who do you love to follow on instagram who do i love oh my gosh again like kind of the kind of question that makes my mind go blank oh that's well i have to think about that everyone should follow you because it's really fun Oh, thank you. Sometimes I think that I'm like, I can be, I can beat myself up about my stories. I'm like, that was so stupid. But I guess that's what stories are I think the point of stories is for it to be disposable. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I clearly do not spend a lot of time overthinking my stories. Not especially intelligent. So maybe let's, let's close with a question about New York and where are your favorite places to, to shop or eat? I feel like. We're really tourists here, so give us some pointers and then our listeners who are coming over or who don't know the city as well as you do might be able to try some new things. Yeah, Um, I think like the classic staples for eating are Raoul's, Odeon. Um, You want to have like a real New York feeling experience there. Um, I always, I'm striving for like another Elaine's kind of of situation. Elaine's was like this very like Woody Allen-esque restaurant that was featured in a lot of his movies that closed about 10 years ago um but it was like a very like screenwriter intellect intellectual hangout uh, uptown and i feel like there's like that feeling of new york that we need again like mm. raul's hat does mm. that um there's a restaurant called mimi that's really wonderful and on sullivan street that i highly suggest there's a restaurant called king that's all female run also Ooh, and cool. so delicious and, and amazing um, in every way that's on King Street. Um, there's, I mean, I'm a big Blue Ribbon Sushi fan. I feel like that's the best sushi Which is where you had that fateful conversation. Yes. I love, yes. I love Blue Ribbon Sushi. Blue Ribbon Sushi is yeah. I really want to go there like right now. Delicious. Yeah. yeah, we can maybe so go after. It's um, actually great for lunch. I always go for lunch. Yeah. What? Where do you take in art? Where, where do I take in art? Oh, um, I think uh, I just uh, 
uh, well, Freeze is going on. So, Freeze. so there's, and then there's the Park Avenue Armory show and um, David's Warner, uh, Pace Gallery, uh, of course, the Met, Met Brower and Whitney. Whitney, if you can stand the lines, really, because it's just it is crazy it, there though. over there. Really cool. And uh, Guggenheim always have incredible shows. Um, I have to say, I've been neglectful for the last couple months in seeing, um, I think the last thing I saw was Lisa Yuskovash at David Zorner. Um, so I've been a little bit behind. I've been traveling a lot. So I've been, I've been like, I've kind of been. Italy, it's fine. You'll be, we'll, yeah, we'll forget you. <laughs> On the culture front, every street corner is art in Italy. Yeah, so I yeah. think you're same you're, here too. True same here. Yeah. True. First time I came here, I I thought I was going to find it like you know too big, and I I was blown away by how beautiful it was. When you yeah. when you've never been, I just think you imagine. Oh it's quite, yeah, it's it awakens like this whole feeling. Yeah. It's a whole different, I feel different here than anywhere else yeah, in the entire world. Yeah, I don't want to leave. Yeah. It's not that I, I'm not saying I like it better than Paris, but I like it as much in a totally, diff- totally different way. I feel like, I'm, again, I'm a bit of a recluser, I guess, or whatever you would call it. So I, I find you can really like be independent here and still feel like you're amongst like people and amongst the world and like yeah. kind of do your own thing. I don't think that of many cities. I think you have to immerse in a lot of cities. Yeah, that's a great way of defining it. Yeah. That's yeah. What I love about it. Yeah. You can be really individual, but you're in like this crowd full of energy at yeah. all times. It's an interesting place. I mean, everybody that comes to New York is seeking something, you know, like that's why you come here. And I think that's different from a lot of cities too. And I think that's what brought, brings people together here. But in that is like commitment phobes are everywhere here no, me being one of them well, like you know, you know I, like I, that's I, I why set we all off come. the plane and i was like maybe it's time to move to new york and i'm not lying i actually genuinely like since i've got here i felt like so amazing well, i don't want to go home i just extended my trip by eight days oh wow yeah and i I, I every time I come here, I don't want to leave. I also don't really. It's because I'm in my 30s now. If I'd made the move when I was a bit younger, I wouldn't have thought about it. But I feel like I also like need to slow down, and I don't think New York is the place where you do. Actually, though, I think that you can live. I don't think that people party with as much disregard Gusto. for their bodies in New York as they do in London. To be honest London with you. Is, yeah. no, no, London, London is, is, no, 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 London is terrifying. It's I can't level. cope with like... I I love, what I love though is the British mentality yes. of like... Yeah, no, once. and the eccentricity and everything. And it makes for amazing, yeah. amazing party scene. Yeah. Very esoteric social scene and all that stuff. But honestly... I don't think, I think that there's almost a healthier lifestyle here than in Well, London. now it's also the fitness craze. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, it's a bit like LA. Like, it's like everything is about, it's more yeah. important for you to like go to your soul cycle or your berries than like where you're hanging out at night. And it's funny that happened to me for the first time where somebody asked me like one of the first questions when I met them was like, so what do you do for working out? And I was like, is this like the new, like, what do you do for a living? What do you do for working out? <laughs> oh, well, okay. So now we're like clear the way, like I can yeah. talk about this forever because I am the most insanely massive soul cycle fanatic. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I go every I day. Soul cycle, I love you. Um, in oh, fact, so like funny. it was, it's like, I feel like I should like write them love letters and like, I feel like I couldn't do really? Kate without soul cycle. Oh my God. Soul cycle is incredible. It's so I funny. I don't like the cycling stuff at all. I was so bad. I cried. I and I love exercising, but that is like oh, not my thing at all. For me, it's like meditative. Like we have yeah. to like hone in on the teachers that you, that cater to like what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, but I go every day. Wow. Yeah, I just went before I came here. I love it. Like, I live for it. Like, I, like, have, like, weird dreams about, like, going and working behind the front desk. Like, I, like, actually might do that one day. We, we thought she was dreaming of cashmere sweaters. But in fact, she's dreaming about sweating and cycling. It's ment- mentally, what it's done for me has been incredible. So, I, yeah, I, like, have, like, nothing but amazing things to say about Soul Cycle. Amazing. Wow. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you well, so much. Well, that is that note, one last great New York tip. Book ourselves a class. Try again. Yeah. In city. Maybe that's a challenge for ourselves while we're here, Monica. Maybe we should go tomorrow should morning. Team bonding. Parker and Soho tomorrow morning if you at 1045.
Okay. It's not waitlisted. Challenge accepted. Writing it down. Parker and That's Soho. Like really, it's an easy class, actually. I mean, sorry, Parker. Not easy. But um, <laughs> it's like less intensive than we other need physically. Easy. Than, easy is good for But uh, it's yeah. he, he's the best with music. His music is incredible. Well, that makes all the difference. Yeah. In any class, my Pilates yeah. teacher, uh, Julie Pujol-Benoit, we love, <laughs> um, plays these like 90s remix old school playlists and it makes me ha- so happy yeah. even though I'm in massive amounts of pain yeah yeah no Parker will play like he'll go from anything from like Nirvana to like uh then like Lil Wayne and then he'll go into like the drive soundtrack or like you know yeah. like it get it's so Ooh, or like the dri- yeah the drive soundtrack, the drive soundtrack yeah. is one of the best soundtracks and he plays ever it quite to often. do it and then he'll go into Nine Inch Nails like it's incredible like he's so good okay I love him yeah he's really good maybe we should go to Cool. Well, on that note, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for having me. This is so fun. So fun. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Well, there you have her, folks. Kate, thank you so much for coming on the pod. I've always felt like there had to be an amazing woman behind such a unique and quietly brilliant brand as Kate. And I'm so happy my suspicions, well, our suspicions, have been confirmed. Thanks for tuning in. And guys, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Rate and review. It might not seem like it makes any difference, but for us, it really actually does. Until next time, Fashion No Filter writes... Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.